I would have liked it best to sing with the whole congregation accompanied by two instruments Come from on high Come Spirit of the Lord Would you please come to the instruments? Beloved, it is just so important It is written Not by might nor by power but by my Spirit saith the Lord And on the day of Pentecost, before the preaching was done, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place. We need the working of the Holy Spirit. We'll just stand up again and sing together. Yeah. 
We have the promise that he will be with us until the end of the world, until we indeed are coming from believing unto seeing. He gave the promise, I go to prepare the place for you. And he will fulfill this promise. He will fulfill it very soon, in our time, not some day, in a hundred years, any moment it could be. Also, this morning, I would like to greet and welcome all of you in the precious name of the Lord. I wished to greet all who I know by name and mention them, but this is not always possible, especially not in such a meeting. But you shall know that we are glad, that we are thankful to God to hear His word together with you and to receive his word. When we were singing about the promises, I was thinking straight, when Abraham was called and chosen of the Most High, 
He did not go into some kind of country. He went into the land of promise. When we are called out from churches and denominations, from nations and peoples, and we are called out, then not to go into another church or another denomination, but to enter into the promises of God, just to become a part of that what God promised. Anyhow, I want to welcome every one of you, from the left to the right, from the north to the west. We are glad for the visit from Finland, as mentioned yesterday already, from the Czech Republic, from Slovakia, from Poland, from Austria, from Italy, from Switzerland, from France, from Belgium. And then, when we think on all the African countries, here is Burundi represented, Ivory Coast represented, Congo represented. So many countries are in fact represented here. And we can say from all peoples and tongues and nations, the Lord is calling out His people. And yesterday already the thought came to me when we were reading they come from the east and west from the south and north to sit down together with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, we are coming together here from all over Europe, from the east, from the west, from the south, to, from the north. And believe me, how important it is that all world, all the world who listen to and watch these meetings, they find out that there are people, hundreds are coming to hear the word. For them it's a strengthening, a refreshment, that we do not only speak on TV in a studio, but to the people of God, which gathers in His presence to hear His Word. Then we have the special visit from Brazil, from Sao Paulo, our friends, brother and sister, Miskis. Then we have our brother here again from Lowville, Kentucky, a city in which Brother Brenham was many times. Lowville, is a, it's just like Krefeld and Düsseldorf. One just crosses the river and drives from one city to the other. Louisville has for me such a meaning in so far that it was on the 2nd of December 1962 when I was sitting at the same table with Brother Brenham and Fred Softman and Banks Woods. It was in Lowville, Kentucky, when Brother Brenham told me of that, what the Lord spoke to me on the 2nd 
of April. These are just wonderful things which one can call into memory again. Then we have, as already mentioned yesterday, our dear brother and sister Jean and Renate Schanz and the children also. God bless you. May the Lord really bless all who are here today. I'm always especially glad when I see the whole family Maynard. I would like to say this here. Brother Maynard was not only a brother to me, he was my friend. He was traveling with me through all the world. And I'm especially glad when I see the house Maynard here. And as already said, all of you, please don't feel left out or overlooked, but just feel at home to receive God's word, to receive it by faith. Then I have a question. It was on the heart of our brother Michael Paschke to put adverts into the newspaper to invite. I would be interested to know whether somebody has come to this service to today because of this Edward. Do we have a hand which would raise? In the moment not. Then most surely the next time. So we can go straight into our word observation. Brother Rus was reading already the wonderful word from Romans that we were reconciled with God. Beloved, the reconciliation which happened on the cross of Calvary must be received and accepted by faith. The salvation must be personally experienced and Paul expressed it so clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us We pray you in Christ's state, be ye reconciled to God. This is the commission to go into all the world and to bring this wonderful message of the love and the grace of God to all the nations and to say that God came to us that he reconciled us in Jesus Christ with himself. The middle wall of partition which separated us from God was abolished on the cross of Calvary. The enmity was removed and we found peace with God by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
we have in this we have read in this Edward do the signs of the time point to a turning point and there one really can say out of conviction you can read it in Matthew 16 verse 3 where the Lord gives the rebuke that the people could discern the weather they knew whether it would rain or whether it will be sunny and then he says but the signs of the time ye cannot discern it is very very important that we understand the signs of the time there are warnings which are addressed to us especially what concerns the end time and there really many many things are going on one could go here into the various details especially I have here with me a Lutheran magazine I brought it with me the report about Stuttgart, the 8th of May, I mentioned it already yesterday, but here it is indeed written, the 8th of May was chosen for this convention because it reminds on the end of the Second World War. Stuttgart was chosen as a place because in this city, 1945, the plea of guilty of the Lutheran Church towards the failure in the Third Reich was published. And then the main speakers are listed here. To all this, I mentioned it already. I watched on TV what happened on the 8th of May in Stuttgart, I watched it on the 31st of May between a quarter past 10 and a quarter past 11. I've seen it and listened closely. There the moderator indeed said, wait with your applause until I have said what must be said. And then he was reading Psalm 118, verse 24, and he was crying out in this great unification of all churches. He said, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And to me, it came into my mind, the false unity is so far advanced. How is it with the true unity of the true believers, of the true children of God, who in this time hear the word of the hour, the message of the hour. But in this very same paper, it is indeed also put a question mark about this unity. And it says here, as a headline, the kingdom of the Antichrist. So, it's not coming from my mouth, but 
In this brochure, most surely many know it, but it's indeed written here. The true unity does not tolerate any heresy. Scripture, Galatians 1, 6 to 10. Scripture, 2 John, verse 9 to 11. Scripture, Jude, verse 3. Just think of it. Also, in churches and denominations, there is the question whether this political religious unity can be that unity of which Jesus spoke. And then it continues here in this article. In the practice, the false unity has a threefold direction which leads to the dictatorship of the Antichrist. I did not write this. I'm just reading. Then it says here, politically, toward a world empire in which all are having one opinion. Revelation 17.13 is mentioned here. Economically, toward a global economy system in which nobody can buy or sell if he has not the mark namely the name of the beast or the number of his name 666 scripture revelation 13 17 and there it is indeed written that it is the number of a man and if one calculates it we don't have to calculate it anymore others did this already for us vicarious fili ideal instead of the Son of God. And this is the title and has the number 666. It continues here. Religiously toward a one world religion in which all who dwell on the earth will worship the dragon, in brackets, Satan, and the beast from the sea the Antichrist, all whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, slain from before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8. What do you say to this? Also in churches, the people are thinking about what is going on now. The second part is here as a headline. What happens with Israel? The Holy Scripture did predict it really very clearly, or God predicted it in His Word in the Old and New Testament. To this, one could read one Scripture after the other one, that God would gather His scattered people at the end of days. Many verses are so clear that they really do not need any interpretation. Especially Isaiah 14, verse 1, Jeremiah 31, from 1 to 10. 
And of course, also, especially Ezekiel 36, verse 24, where it really is written, I will gather you from all the nations into which I have scattered you. That's how it is written. And thus it happens. To just bring something in here, when the Jew Theodor Herzl in the year 1897, about 100 years ago, made the declaration in Basel, the Jews must have their own state. All know the Balfour Declaration from the year 1917. All know what went on on the 8th of December 1917 when the dominion of the Ottomans over Jerusalem ended and when the British mandate started until Israel then declared its own state. Why do I mention the, these things? Also we who we are waiting for the consummation we must be patient. We are leaning toward to believe that the promises, the predictions are, are all fulfilled from, from one day to another. But we see also with Israel the development. Everything takes its time. More than 100 years passed since the declaration and God did gather from 142 countries the Jews returned home. And the Lord says, when the fig tree comes to life, when the buds are coming forth, then you know that the time is near and the fig tree really came to life. We all know on the 14th of May 1948, Ben-Gurion declared the state of Israel. Bible prophecy, the promise which God gave, was fulfilled. And it continues and continues. I could say a couple of things here concerning Israel. It's a pity in my eyes that now Jews who are born in Jerusalem or Israel, who converted to Catholicism, they are now the negotiating partners of Jerusalem with the Vatican. It is just incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Not only the Archbishop of Paris, Lustiger, a Jew, born in Poland and then after the Second World War he emigrated to France but be it a Mr. Jäger or whoever they are in Jerusalem Jews who converted to the so-called Christendom 
They have to lead now the negotiations. And this is, of course, a thing which will have success. So that, so that it might be fulfilled that the peace treaty, as written in Daniel 9.27, that, that it can be made. So that it might be fulfilled, as written in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 3, that when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. And so we see that everything really, indeed, even though slowly, but it is going on. It is happening. The process is going on. It's going on. And we see what happened with Europe. Many of you were not yet here on the 8th of May 1945. They were not even alive. Some of us witnessed it. And then we witnessed as Germany and Europe was divided. And then we see, have seen how the Iron Curtain went right through Germany, right through Europe. And then we witnessed it in 1989 how the wall came down and the barbed wires were removed and Germany was united and now Europe was united. Everything is Bible prophecy which is fulfilling before our very eyes. Even that the ten states which one day will disassociate as the ten horns Horns have the nature that they bump and push and this will also have to take place. They will disengage one day. But now they must give their power to this world power. Everything is Bible prophecy. Even the seven leading heads. One always reads about the G7, the big seven. And the eighth one is also joining. But has not much to say. But it must all be this way. The scripture must be fulfilled. In connection with this, I have a request to all of us. Dear brothers and sisters, precious friends, let us be patient. Not doing anything hastily, but waiting until it pleases God to material, <coughs> materialize His Word. <coughs> the main thing is that it is with us, being the spiritual seed of Abraham, that it is with us just as it was with Him. Namely, to see the promise fulfilled with our own eyes. That's what it's all about. You can read it in Hebrews, in chapter 11. There we are indeed reported of Abraham and also from Isaac and Jacob who were heirs of the same promise. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 and 9. By faith, he 
By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went, not knowing whether he went, be honest. When we were called out from churches and denominations, we did not know at all where the direction was leading to. But we have heard the call. We have obeyed the call. And that's what's all about. In verse 9, in Hebrews 11, by faith he so journeyed in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise. It must be said here that the true faith which can stand before God that it must be anchored into the promises of God. A faith which does not have the promises as a foundation is a deception and bypasses what God is doing. True faith is anchored in the promises of our God. And therefore, I would like to give you courage to always come And our sister gave me a word yesterday which became great to me from Psalm 26, verse 8. O Lord, Psalm 26, verse 8. O Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. That's what's all about. Here it is not about a building. Here it is about that God is honored, honored by faith, by receiving what he promised to us. And such a place is blessed according to the promise from Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, the second part of verse 24. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee and I will bless thee. Did the Lord record his name at this place? Has he not revealed his name, his new testament covenant name to us, in which all knees will bow, as written? And then we go with this to Psalm 22, where we are told, depending on the translation, verse 22, in Psalm 22, verse 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren 
in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. And with this, we go to the last verse in John chapter 17. To know, to know to whom the Lord really reveals himself and to whom he reveals his name. John 17, verse 26. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Not to the world the Lord revealed himself after his resurrection, but really only to his own before he spoke to the multitudes. And maybe it would be good, dear brothers and sisters, if we just would take heed to to whom the word was addressed in each case. I'm reading, or I'm asking you to open up Matthew 5 and here reading the first verse. Matthew 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, here we have a teaching of the Master, which he first directs to his disciples. And if one then reads on, then it says in chapter 7, Matthew 7, in verse 28, it's written, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. He started with the disciples, but the people were gathered. And then he spoke to all. Let us go to Matthew 10. There he only spoke to his disciples. And he also ended with what he had to say to the twelve disciples. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And then the names of the twelve apostles are mentioned. In verse 5 it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, And then came the commands, the instructions. 
And then he likes to read it, what kind of instructions he gave to those whom he sent out, whom he commissioned. I just would like to read from verse 40 in Matthew 10. He that receiveth you, receiveth me, and he that receiveth me, receiveth him who sent me. And then it continues. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So, We see what the Lord says to those whom he sends out. And to know it precisely, you must read Matthew 11 from verse 1. Matthew 11 verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Um in ihren Städten zu lehren und zu predigen. Kommen wir auf den Let us come to the point. Here we are told that the Lord first called the twelve. Then he gave them instructions. Then he sent them out. And then he said, He that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. And he who likes to read it, in John 13, he can most surely find out what the Lord said here. John 13, verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send. The main thing here is the sending. When I send someone and you receive him, he receiveth me, and he who receiveth me, receiveth him who sent me. Straight after the Lord finished his instructions with those whom he called and sent out, he comes straight to John the Baptist. Straight from Matthew 11, from verse 2, we have the report. We have just the report. And in verse 9 it says, the question, but, Matthew 11, verse 9, but, what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more, than a prophet. He was not more than a man. I have met people who were reading to me this word and they wanted to refer it to Brother Branham. And by, in this they, have, they had the thought that he was more than a prophet. And they had also the thought that he was more than a man. But you see how clear the Bible is. He was more than a prophet. 
Because the prophets announced, just take Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness. Take Malachi 3, verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. But now, the announcements became reality. The promise was standing on two feet. The voice was heard. It sounded forth. The way of the Lord was prepared. And therefore it says in verse 10 to prove why he was more than a prophet. Namely, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way before thee. So, a promised prophet is in that moment more than all the prophets who just prophesied. And with this, I mean, his ministry is greater. You just need to read Luke 16, 16. There it is written that all the prophets were until John and since that time the kingdom of God was preached. Luke 16, 16 and 17. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Nothing fails of all what is written in the Old Testament because in the New is the fulfillment, the realization of what God promised. If we are honest, and we must be honest, in the kingdom of God must be truthfulness. There is no other way. And we are not ashamed to say that we believe the promise for our time. And I tell you how complicated it is. God didn't make it easy for us. Faith must become a revelation. Even the scriptures, the scriptures which we are reading, we cannot understand them by our own selves and we cannot place them correctly unless the Spirit of God is upon us. And therefore it is written in First Peter, in chapter 1, that those who preached the word of God, they did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us 
they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. So, we are just now coming back to Acts chapter 2. Peter did not tell his opinion. Peter did not say what he was thinking to be right. Peter was the man of the first hour, was filled with the Holy Spirit and was preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he gave the first command of baptism. Let us come quickly back to the promise. And I ask really all to believe God. He who does not believe God makes him a liar. If you don't believe me, then you insinuate that I didn't tell you the truth. And if you don't believe God, you are you insinuate that he didn't tell you the truth. And this one just has to imagine. When we just read, I love the place where your honor dwelleth. I love the place of your house. The place where your word is being preached. The place where you, O Lord, are revealing yourself. Then we must get back the holy reverence before God and His Word. And I tell you very honestly how it will be at the end. If we don't believe God, then He cannot even speak to us. And if He cannot speak with us, if we are just hearing the preacher and not hearing God in the preaching, then we will misunderstand what the preacher said. Because we did not hear God in the preaching. Why is it written seven times in Revelation 2 and 3? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. And in the same way it's written, seven times, and unto the angel of the church write. The angel received the message. He brought it to the church. But then the preached word had to be revealed to the people and all who are of the election, to them it is being revealed by the Spirit of God. And by this we recognize that we have found grace before God. Time and again, it is of course confirmed that John was that man of whom it is written in Malachi 3, verse 1, and also in Isaiah 40, verse 3. The last promise we have in the last verses of the Old Testament in the last chapter of the prophet Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
This is thus saith the Lord. This is a promise which God fulfills, whether you believe it or not. The difference is only that, if you believe it, then you will have part in the blessing of its fulfillment. If you don't believe it, then you will not have part in it. This is the big difference. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. How often shall we read it here? When Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, Be a workman in the kingdom of God who rightly divides the word of truth. This means everything must be placed there where it belongs. Otherwise, we bring confusion into everything. It's only right if we respect God's order. The first explanation we find straight in Luke 1, in verse 17, to see that the first part of the Elijah promise was applied to John the Baptist and that the second part finds fulfillment now. Luke Chapter 1, verse 17, referring to John the Baptist. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. The second part is not written here because at that time it could not have been fulfilled. Now we read straight from the Gospel of Matthew and you will see how scattered Bible prophecy is and how scattered the fulfillment thereof is. God must help us to summarize everything and this no man can do unless it is given to him by God. We are all having a natural talent to put the order upside down but never to bring a confusion back into an order. That's how it is with all of us, not only with me. That's how it is with all of us. But then God is merciful to us. And we read now the place which give us light on these things. Why do we make this effort? We could also just say, this is what God promised and thus it happened. No, you must have a foundation. You must be biblically established. You must be able to give an answer to the people when you are asked. Not in a Bible school, but we must be in the school of God to hear the word of the Lord 
and to be established in it. Matthew 17. And here you will see it's written very clear in connection with Elijah and the ministry of John the Baptist. But I will show you just now to what it refers there, namely to the Elijah in the days of Ahab, just like to John the Baptist. Let us read it. Matthew 17, from verse 11. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. This is the promise from the prophet Malachi. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already and they knew him not. But have done unto him whatsoever they wished. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And now in the next verse it says, Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. Very nice. But with this declaration we go indeed a bit further, namely to Mark chapter 9, to show us from the scripture that all these men came in the same spirit and had a divine commission, each one at his own time. Mark chapter 9. We read from verse 11. And they asked him, saying, Why say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And he answered and told them, Elijah verily cometh first, and restoreth all things. And now it comes. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught. But I say unto you that Elijah is indeed come and they have done unto him whatsoever they wished as it is written of him about John the Baptist. Not one single word was written. The New Testament was not written with one chapter, with one line. Not written at all. You see how God did it. He leads His own in such a way that they take His word back into the connection in which it is said here to us. And they recognize exactly, there is the one Elijah, he gathered the twelve stones, was building the altar, was calling the people of God together, the decision had to be made, whom they wanted to serve, and then came the second man of God, in the spirit and in the power of Elijah, what did he do? 
the twelve tribes of Israel went and listened to what the man of God had to say and the way of the Lord was prepared but these two prophetic ministries do not annul the last prophetic ministry they just confirm that God is always the same and that he watches over his word to fulfill it just think of it with your mind just for one moment please and then not anymore with your mind here the Lord says Elijah shall truly first come and then it is inserted the son of man must suffer many things as it is written of him as if he wanted to switch the subject and only then comes again the matter with Elijah God really did it in such a way that everything is really built upon revelation only no one knows who the father is but the son and who the son is but the father and to whom he wants to reveal it. Everything is revelation, revelation, revelation of Jesus Christ. But we know when it is written that the Elijah shall come before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, then we know exactly that the Elijah was then and that John the Baptist was also, but that the scripture must be fulfilled that at the end of the time of grace the hearts of the children of God must be turned back to the beginning that everything is put back into an order into the right condition every doctrine, every practice must have to be restored and to this God really sent his prophet prophet in our time and we thank God with all our hearts that we can take everything back into the Holy Scripture and we have indeed received an insight into the Scriptures by revelation as it was never before on earth. God has indeed revealed the hidden things and as Brother Brenham repeated over and over again that all mysteries all mysteries have been revealed and the word always comes to the prophet how often shall I say it I'm no prophet and I don't know if Brother Rus calls himself a prophet no we are no prophets but we have received the word of prophecy we received the revelation which God gave through the prophetic ministry and through the word of prophecy. God has indeed, because we had no inner resistance and because we didn't know anything, we didn't know it. Most people know it already. They already can say it to us. We did not know it. And therefore, the Lord could reveal it to us and that's how it will remain until the end. Also, this was a revelation when I recognized who Brother Branham is and what ministry he is. Just as then, 
When the people went out and the Lord, the Lord was asking him, whom did you want to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? They are in king's houses. A reed shaken with the wind? No, and again, no. A man sent from God, a promised prophet, who brought the message of God to the people of God to prepare the way for the Lord. Not only the way. Please read again in Luke chapter 1. There, really, it is not only to prepare the way, but to prepare a people for the Lord. And this is what is happening right now. Here it's written in the second part, Luke 1 verse 17, second part, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is actually the message of the hour and the purpose of it not only to remove all obstacles but to find a people which comes out from all traditions. Just imagine, we would come together here from all the various denominations and each one wanted to convince the other one of his opinion. How should this end up then? Then you can read the New Testament of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And then it's written there, Verily, verily, I say you today, Colin, you will be with me in paradise. In my Bible I read, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Today, Today you will be with me in paradise. Yes, then each one could interpret the word as he likes. And this must have an end. God revealed his word, not that we continue to interpret, but that we agree in all things with the true significance of his word. And so we are coming back to the point that we are hearing what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. Otherwise anyone can come and when he comes from the Roman church, he says, but the Lord told to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. But this he didn't say to the popes, but to that man who on the day of Pentecost, the man of the first hour. And if somebody tells me, I give you a house ready to use, here's the key then I just have to enter. Then I have access. God wanted to show by this that here is a man whom he could trust under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, we actually should read two or three scriptures to it to, to bring out the meaning of the key. Why do I say this here? I'm honest. I am enraged on my inside about all the misinterpretations of the Holy Scripture. And people 
are being misled. And as we were reading yesterday from the prophet Isaiah 42, they are all kept in holes and prisons. And even within the message, there are such bondages. And these are then bondages to a man who presents some kind of special doctrine. We are not bound to a man. We are bound to God and His Word. We are released from all what people are saying. Opinions of men always caused splits and that's how it is also in our time. But now, straight at the end, God gathers his people and we are hearing the message of the hour and recognize God has sent his promised prophet to really reveal all what was hidden beginning from Genesis up to Revelation 22. And for this we are thankful. But now we are being led by the Spirit into everything what God gave us through this ministry as we read in First Peter chapter 1. The men of God did not minister unto themselves. They didn't make themselves a memorial. They didn't blow their own trumpet. The men of God served God in the power of the Holy Spirit. They served us through God in the same way it was with Brother Brenham. A preparer of the way is not the way and a signpost is also not the way. Prophets and men of God are preachers of the word, but they are not the word. They are preaching the gospel, but they are not the gospel. It is the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, of which Paul says, that if somebody preaches another gospel, that the curse was upon him. So God took care of that before the day of salvation comes to its end, before the time of grace ends, and before the door is shut. And as we read yesterday, from Hebrews, lest any of you turns out to be left behind. Has not Brother Brenham seen a preview of the bride? Did he not see how the bride got out of step? Has he not seen how a witch was leading this bride which got out of step? Has he not seen that she would be brought back into step again? Was he not taken over to the other side? Has he not seen in paradise the countless number of the redeemed clothed in white linen? And it says, through your ministry, we are all here. And the ministry goes on even today. Believe me, 
Brother Frank, Brother Russ, Brother Schmidt and all the brothers here from Brussels, from Paris, from Lyon and Switzerland and wherever we are from, we all would not have any ministry today if God would not have sent a ministry, a higher ranking, superior ministry, not only for the local church. There God also placed the various ministries, but a promised prophet who has led us back to God and His Word. And now it is so important that the same Holy Spirit who rested upon the prophets and who rested on Brother Brenham, and by the way, he can report that he already with three years, with three years, he was seeing visions. With seven years, he was seeing visions. God was with him and the prophets were indeed consecrated to God from their mother's womb, ordained for a task. And I'm telling you today, without any fanaticism, he who bypasses the fulfillment of the promise in this time, he actually could stop singing and praying because he will belong to those who, where there will be weeping. Don't believe that God receives us with open arms if we bypass his prophet, his messengers, his word and whatever he is doing. It is connected to each other. The promises which God gave and their fulfillment, they are connected to one another. And as Abraham and also the people of Israel altogether comes to rest in the land of promise, there was their inheritance. There is their inheritance today. So it is with us. We are heirs of God and co-heirs of Jesus Christ, but only in the land of promise, in the word of promise. This is not a fanaticism. This is divine truth. Receive the word, ye ends of the earth, and be delivered from all what does not lead into the unity of the Spirit and what is not in agreement with God's Word. I have heard that today there shall be a baptism and then also a word to all those who perhaps are not at peace with themselves whether they should get baptized. Brothers and sisters, the time to think it over is finished. The time to go back to that, what church fathers have said and taught, is also over. We're not going back to Athanasius, not to Tertullian, not to Augustine, not to Hieronymus, not to all these people in the church history. Why not? Because they themselves did not go back to God and His Word with their explanations. So, we're not going back to that what church fathers have said in the course of the past 1,700 years.
But we are going back to the beginning. To be honest, I'm not interested at all what Ignatius has said. What is that to me? What have I to do with that? What interest is to me what Tertullian said? How often did they change their minds and their opinions from one camp to the other once they were here, once they were here again? No and again, no. We are going back to the first witnesses. We are going back to Peter, James, John. We are going back to Paul. We are going back to the doctrine of the apostles. And we are indeed reading in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, in verse 42, and they remained in the doctrine of the apostles. And then we are reading in Revelation 12 of the woman which is shown as the church that she is crowned with a crown of 12 stars. I remember it very well. When I heard it the first time, I rejoiced so much about it. When Brother Branham said in questions and answers, This picture from Revelation 12, the crown on the head of the woman which received the seed, namely that the New Testament church is crowned with the doctrine of the twelve apostles. Oh, this made me to be so happy. And when I then also was reading of the New Jerusalem, that the twelve pillars carry the names of the twelve apostles, and the twelve gates carry the name of the twelve tribes. Then the question arose to me, who will be there? Who will be there? Many want to be there. They are dreaming already about it. They will only be there when it applies to them that the crowning of the twelve apostles. Why did the Lord choose twelve? Twelve tribes, twelve apostles. And this applies to all of us. So, not just believing and doing what we wish whether you take it now or not but here in this paper of the Lutheran Church we are indeed having for the baptism we have straight a watering can and then it says uh, then the man who baptizes he is free whether he wants to pour or whether he wants to sprinkle a bit And then it is indeed written here, by baptism a man is born again to a new life and is received as a child of God. Just think of it. Only where God acts, only where the word is preached, only where the gospel is believed, only where the spirit can come and lead to repentance and where we can really make our experience with God, having a personal experience of conversion, only then the baptism can follow. The water does not change anything. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for our remission. And he who received forgiveness through the blood of the new covenant, he makes a covenant of a good conscience by baptism. This is, of course, God's way 
which was shown to us. And he who likes to know it precisely, how it happened in the early church and with our Lord, you can read it in Matthew chapter 3 of the baptism. When he came out of the water, then the heaven opened. John was standing in the water. The Lord went to him and he baptized him. The word baptizo means immersion. Immersion as a dead person is being buried, so all who died with Christ, who do not live for themselves anymore, who do not let their own head go through the wall, but who can say in sincerity and truthfulness, now I live no more, but Christ lives in me. They make a covenant of a good conscience. Just ask the more than 80 millions who were sprinkled in this or in that church. Just ask them whether they are born again to a living hope. Just ask them. Don't listen to what somebody writes. Make the effort and go and ask your neighbors, are you born again? Are you born again? Are you born again? And what will be? They will send you home. And they will say, leave me in peace about religion, one does not speak. And then they are finished with you. No, brothers and sisters, the time has come where the divine truth must be preached in such a seriousness that all are being laid out from all these prisons, from all these false doctrines. Here the headline on this cover uh, no other gospel does not help me at all. If that what is written therein is nothing but another gospel, then we are having here one book, one book, one book. And there everything is in agreement. Even the cover is in agreement. When it's written here on the, on the cover, the Holy Scripture, when we open it up, we have the Holy Scripture. Yes, that's how it is with God. Brothers and sisters, precious friends, do not confer with flesh and blood. This time is over. When Paul believed, that's how it is written in Galatians, he did not confer with flesh and blood. He also did not go to Jerusalem only 14 years later on. And what happened? He stood up and was baptized. That's how it is written. And he who likes to read in Acts chapter 8, there is the eunuch on his way to Ethiopia. And behold, Philip was sitting next to him and he was reading the scripture from the prophet Isaiah chapter 53. For such people God is looking for today, when that moment comes, where one reads with a sincere heart in the Holy Scripture, then God will send someone to him who brings the word to him. And he who brings the word to him, and after some minutes he will be said, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? 
And it is written, And both went down into the water, and he baptized him. A baptism only happens there, where both are going into the water, and where a true baptism takes place. With this, we don't speak against great reformers. We are just saying that God, after the beginning, after the new beginning, since the Reformation, in all the new revivals, He gave more light, more clarity, and that now, before the return of Jesus Christ our Lord, that the same Bible truths are being preached in such a way as in the early church. Back to the doctrine of the apostles. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Everything else you can forget here and today. And just taking the word of God with you and doing accordingly by faith. Blessed be the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Amen. We stand up. We sing as so often just as I am. We are bowing our heads remain in silent prayer. I would like to ask generally now how many would like to dedicate or rededicate their life to the Lord and afterward we will ask how many want to be baptized. Who has heard the word of the Lord not only with his ears, but with his heart, who received it, so that it is God's speaking to us. How lovely is the habitation of thy house, there where thine honor dwelleth. We give all the honor and glory only to Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. He is high priest. He is mediator. He is king. He is son of God, son of Abraham, son of man, son of David. As bridegroom, he will come again to fetch, to take his own home. Whom will the Lord fetch? As in the natural, so also in the spiritual. The bridegroom always fetches the bride. He fetches the bride. And thus it is written in Revelation 19, And his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to be clothed in white linen, 
the white linen is the righteousness of the saints. We do not have any righteousness, but by the justification, by faith, we have come and are now justified before God as if we would have never sinned, as we would have been never in error. God has overlooked the time of ignorance, as written, but now he commands all men at all places to repent, to be baptized biblically and to agree with God and to turn the back to all churches and denominations and their doctrines and to remain rooted in the doctrine of Christ and the apostles and thus becoming a word bride. In the bridegroom, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of promise was brought unto Mary. She believed and the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. Brothers and sisters, I'm saying it once again. And if I would say, it happens in the name of the Lord, for your best, for your good, believe the word of promise. Believe all the word of God. Believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Redeemer. And let each one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you confirm that your sins are forgiven. Brothers and sisters, Paul did it, the apostles did it. We could not go around it. We thank God for the prophet whom he has sent, for the word which was revealed in every way. But now the responsibility is on us. What are we doing with the revealed word? It is not enough to speak of the prophet. It is not enough to say he was sent to forerun the coming of the Lord. It, the way must be prepared. The hearts of the children of God must be turned to the fathers of the early church. There must be an agreement with bride and bridegroom. Brothers and sisters, we are not having a theoretical message. The word of God is connected with it that now before the return of Jesus Christ that the bright church is being called out that she is separated and consecrated to the Lord to thus experience her preparation by grace. How many want to be part when the Lord comes? Let me see your hands. Of course. Of course, all of us. Of course, all of us. Lest any of you turns out to be left behind. Rather now opening the mouth. Rather to pray now. Rather to believe now and to thank now. Not afterward crying and chattering of teeth. No, 
now, on the day of salvation. This is our time which God gave us. And now I would, I would like to ask how many want to be baptized? Do we have some here? One hand is here. There is a second hand, third one. More, I can't see. Four, five, six. Do we have somebody else? In the recent time, much went on in Slovakia, in the Czech Republic. Just feel free. Today is the opportunity. The water is here. And we can say, what hindereth us to be baptized biblically? And for those who do not make the decision today, I'm telling you, it will not be good for you. You will not find peace until you found peace in God. And this is that moment where the disobedience is put off and where the obedience is put into practice. Namely, obedience according to the word in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe shall be condemned. The, the last one we don't want to take in our mouth, but both will happen. The ones are saved and the others are lost. The ones have received eternal life and they can live eternally The others did not receive it and therefore cannot live eternally. It is a holy seriousness. Just a while ago, I said here, if just every preacher could spend just five hours or one hour in hell to experience the torment personally, with what kind of divine zeal, with what kind of warning, how insistently we would then warn the people that they, by all means, should not miss to experience the grace of God and instead coming to the place of torment. Today, I would like to say the following. If we all, just imagine, I mean, it's impossible, but just imagine, we could just experience five minutes how it will be after the rapture has taken place. If you could just experience it now, five minutes before it actually happens, what kind of weeping, so many blames saying, saying, why did I not, why did I not? Oh, what they will be, we cannot imagine. If we could just experience five minutes of what it means to have missed it, not to be part of, but to cry to the mountains and to the hills, crying in despair. What will this be? What will this be? Brothers and sisters, precious friends, why does God speak so friendly to us? He gives the warning and he shows us the way how we can escape all these things, the destruction which is coming. Why is it written in Luke 21? Pray that you receive strength to escape all things which will come upon the face of the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. The seriousness of the hour is here. The end time is here. His coming is near. 
And therefore, we really want to repent, all of us, want to bring everything to the Lord, whatever we can bring Him, and asking Him, him anew to give us grace, to give us forgiveness, and to unite us deep on the inside, one heart and one soul. If already the false unity celebrates their victories, how much more shall it be with the true unity, Father, I in you and you in me, so that we may be one. May the Almighty God give it to us by grace. He sent his prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes to indeed bring us there, that at the end, There is a people on earth which will be raptured, as written, without wrinkle and without spot. Ephesians 5, verse 27. Brothers and sisters, God is faithful. He time and again gives us the opportunity. And so we will sing once again the chorus, Just as I am. And we then ask all who want to be baptized that they come to the front. Getrost, kommt, getrost, kommt, kommt nach vorne. Wir singen es noch einmal. There were more hands, maybe the rest comes when we are at the pool. It is not too late. Come, come confidently. Come confidently. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Late is not too late. Too late is bad. Late is not bad. God bless you. You all dedicated your life to the Lord and you believe that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, died on the cross of Calvary, that He also redeemed you, having forgiven you all your sins, that He accepted you and that you, are now, that you will now make a covenant of a good conscience toward God. As you are immersed, Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, you are buried with Christ and as you are raised out from the water, so it signifies that you rose together with Christ to walk with Him, 
in a new life. We don't know each one of you. The Lord knows you. The Lord knows his own. But this we would like to know from you. You have found peace with God. You have received and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you believe that your sins are forgiven and that you have become a property of the Lord. Is this so, sister? Thank is this so, brother? Thank you. Is this so? Thank you. Sister? Our brother believes also. More is not needed. Just believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth and is baptized. Faith is not a knowledge. Faith does not cause discussions. Unbelief causes discussions, brings confusion. Faith, no discussion. Faith is the victory. Our faith is the victory which has overcome the world. And also all what the world has taken over in the Christian churches. Also, my precious sister, you dedicate your life, dedicated your life to the Lord. Thank you. Brother Rus will now pray with you.